It's time to lead the people. The show for aspiring leaders at every level. If you want to boost your self-confidence, get noticed, and maximize your impact by leading others, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Matt Pepsel. Ready to lead? Follow me. My guest today is a business operations expert, speaker, and founder of Scale Time. She has over 18 years of experience across Wall Street, nonprofits, technology startups, and family-owned businesses. She helps up-level businesses into lean, mean, profitable machines. And on average, she and her team create ways to free up at least 40 hours per week for her clients. She is Juliana Marilanda. How are you, Juliana? I am very good. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for letting me spend some time with you in the community. Time, scalability systems, man, I am so happy to have you on the show. I need help with all these things and more. And I know that my leaders listening to the show do as well. I thought I might get us started with this. In your experience, Juliana, what have you seen prevent leaders from maximizing their impact and realizing their full potential? Um, so I think that there's a few things, right? Um, you know, I, I know a lot of people talk about mindset, right? It's like, oh, well, you know, like, do you know, are, am I in a place to do X, Y, and Z, right? Um, I I think it also comes down to um, making faster decisions right? Like there's like a throughput of decisions, if it were, and decision making. Um, and, and I think sometimes our, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to pick in, I'm, I'm going to speak in the, in the proverbial we, right? <laughs> I think sometimes we, myself included, um, you know, we, we stand back and, and I don't know whether it's doubt, whether it's like a clarity, whether it's like a capability, whether it's, um, you know, and, you know, all the analysis, perfection paralysis, um, analysis, uh, paralysis, um, you know, all the things, right? And so I think sometimes what really doesn't allow us to kind of take the bigger risks or do the bigger plans or do what needs to be done, it's it's the ability to make those decisions quicker um, and and be able to then go ahead to to deal with whatever the consequences are of those decisions, both great um, and sometimes bad, right? Sometimes you're like, ah, crap, that didn't work out. Um, <laughs> but you'll never know until you have that feedback loop. Yeah, and sometimes what I find, especially with early career leaders, is they're afraid of making the wrong decision. Like, is it is it fear that holds back or just not knowing the framework to make the decision? What do you think is going on there sometimes? Um, I think it's a little bit of both, right? So that's why I said, I think I think there's fear. Um, and then there's capability gaps, right? It's like, like, I've never been here. I don't know how to do this. Um, some people are like, I think sometimes it's amazing when, especially like really intelligent people will go into a room and they'll be like, how the hell is that person going? You know, like they don't know as much as I do, but they're willing to make the decisions. They're willing to implement the thing. They're willing to take the risk, right? Um, whether or not they have all the tools, um, you know, and then we could always go into like the gender analysis of this and the, you know, like the resources of this and everything, but the ability to either get the clarity, um, eliminate the self-doubt and move forward quicker um, is definitely so, like, I think one of the things that will really differentiate um, not only how big your potential can be, but the rate of your potential. Mm. Yeah. And, and I have a military background. We used to talk about the 70% solution, you know, so when, when you come to the point where you've got 70% of the information you need in that sort of uh, uh, context, you need to act. 
And so if you are that leader and you're, you're looking over and somebody's like, oh yeah, and they're acting really confident, they've only got 50% of the information, that's probably not, not quite where you want to be. But if once you get 70%, sometimes you just got to go and make the decision and, and, be, and own it. And uh, I think you're right. Some intrepid uh, uh, individuals might sort of shine a little bit and then you're like, wait a second, where is this coming from? Yeah. And, and the other thing is like, there's certain things that you're never going to learn until you have the experience of it. Right. Um, like, like you're not going to learn by like, like there's no theory. I mean, you can look at the framework, you can, um, look at best practices. You can look at people who have had success with it and kind of follow their path. Um, but you know, you have a particular set of skills in a particular circumstance in a particular point of time, um, right? And so your learning and your learning curve in doing something, especially if it's new, um, is going to happen while you do it. Yeah, it really, and I like that analogy. And and when you do go through that, and even if you've kind of, once you have that baseline of experience, things change, right? We're living through an experience right now, 18 months of of uh, rapid change and unexpected change. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, maybe that zapped into some of my confidence. Now I've got to shift the format, the business model, my team members. There's there's a lot of new that comes at you too. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> it's, it's like kissing, right? Like you can talk about kissing all you want, right? Um, but, you know, until you're standing in front of the person and you're doing it live, right? And you don't know if the person's taller than you, shorter than you, right? Like things can, like variables will change. Um, and, and it's not going to happen until you're actually doing the thing, so. <laughs> I like that. It's been a long time, but I remember kissing. Sure. I've been yeah. married about 26 yeah. years now, but I recall that back in the day. I kept, yeah. it, clean. I kept it clean for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. One of the things that I think that I was really interested in your background is talking about uh, scale time and, and being interested in developing systems and how do I get that time back? And I was blown away by that. I started off in your intro talking about getting back that many hours per week. And uh, it, it really made me wonder like, how do you go about, and, and what is it that's taking up all of our time? You know, I feel that too. I, I, people I talk to are just like, they just don't have enough time. They seem busier than ever. What, what leads to some of that? Well, um, have you looked at your calendar recently? Sadly, yeah. <laughs> Probably not in the right way, but yeah. <laughs> right? So um, so that's a great place to start, right? Like, um, I think people's calendar is, is a great indicator um, and metric of where people's time is being spent, especially as entrepreneurs, right? So when you think about the meetings that we have, um, like one of the big things that I'm about is eliminating as many meetings as possible. <laughs> now, given some meetings are really important, right? Because there's there's a return on investment, um, you know, there's strategy that's happening um, and everything, right? So um, when you think about, all right, how involved are you um, in sales, how involved are you in account management? How involved are you in uh, team management? How involved are you in um, strategy? How in, like and and so we start thinking through and coupling through these things. Now, there's some things that we want to be involved in, right? Like some entrepreneurs, right? Like if I mean, I, I love the ebook. Um, everyone that I know kind of like speaks to it, right? Like some of us are like you know, we're, we're technicians. We love product. We love building, right? Like that's, that's our happy place. Um, some people are like visionary in sales. That's their happy place. Um, some people are very like, um, I haven't met too many, but some people really do love managing. <laughs> right. And so like, like they like the relationships of the internal team. They like coaching, right. Um, an internal team and growing them. So 
I think one of the things that we have to look at is like, um, what are your unhappy places, right? Like, like where are you mucky? Where are you just in the weeds? And and so much of our time um, is spent in the weeds, right? So so we start to take a look at, um, you know, how is our time being distributed and allocated? Um, how do we want it to be distributed and allocated? And then what do we need to delegate, right? Now that is going to be dependent on your resources. Um, I'm from New York. Um, if you go out to eat, um, you know, you're spending upwards of a hundred bucks, <laughs> like especially, um, and in the pandemic, those delivery services were no joke. Um, but you know, we can start to think of like, okay, maybe if you don't have too many resources um, and there's not a lot of cash right now and, and you're kind of doing it all, um, you know, can you sacrifice a dinner or two and, and get a VA, get a virtual assistant, right? Now, if you have a bigger team, um, can you get a project manager, right? Like have someone start managing workflow. Um, you know, can you get someone to start doing quality assurance? Um, once, I mean, one of the the most difficult pieces for people to really delegate is is the client contact, right? Especially if you are in a service-based business or something that's B2B, um, you know, how do we start to delegate account management, right? And decouple what is client facing, what is really customer service and maintenance, and then what is strategy. So, so once we start thinking about these things, right, we can start to delegate them and or automate them. Right, because because we can also start using automation. I will preface something though. Some people get really geeked out on automation, um, but you can't. I mean, you can <laughs> sustainably. You shouldn't <laughs> create automation until you have good process, right? Because if not, then you're just automating um, and selling inefficiencies and things that are just like really hairy. Um, and and I've seen automations just go really wrong, right? So so you but you know, once you start putting some process in place, um, you start to see the efficiencies, you start to see where you can streamline, you start to see where you can delegate, you start to see where you can automate. Um, and then you start freeing up your calendar um, and your time for the things that you actually enjoy. Yeah, I see a lot of well-intentioned managers that have, uh, maybe they delegate or at least they think they've started to delegate. But then when, as soon as a problem crops up, they're right, right there in the weeds. Like you said, they're in there trying to help because it feels good. They're good at it in many cases. That's probably how they became managers. Mm -hmm. But then they find out they're like, man, all my time is gone. Well, yeah, because you were busy, you know, doing all the things and unblocking your people, which, you know, might be a good thing. But if you overdo it and then you're asking yourself, like, why can't my people be more accountable? It's like, well, well you're not letting them. And, and then mm -hmm. that, that causes a challenge too. Well, I mean, you know, and, and that's usually, um, that's when you get into like fire starter mode. Um, you know, you're, you're like, you know, you're the, the fire stopper and the ultimate QAer, right? Cause you're, you're queuing and doing cleanup and stuff like this. And, and that's usually a few things, right? Um, it starts with onboarding your people, right? Like, like, are you onboarding them? Are they being set up to win? Do they have training and documentation, right? So training really increases productivity by 25%. Most small business owners don't have training. I'm a huge proponent of having training um, because it speeds up um, the rate of, of return on, on your investment of a team member, right? Whether they're a freelancer, contractor, and or employee, um, it also allows you to be able to never be beholden to a specific human right um and 
and I don't mean that like in a really negative way, <laughs> but so many times, you know, as business owners, you're like, oh man, what if someone bails, right? And and it does happen, right? You know, um, you know, anywhere from you know, someone decides to start family, um, someone decides to like move, um, you know, someone changes careers, someone gets poached. Like, there's so many different things that happen, and and if we don't have the documentation, right, it's not only about the loss of the individual, but it's the time now spent finding somebody else and then ramping them up. And if you're doing it through osmosis, um, there's just so much inefficiency that gets created and it's really difficult. And then you're like, oh man, why should I do it myself, right? <laughs> um, and then the other piece of this is having quality assurance, right? Like, I mean, you have the documentation, you have the training, um, do you have the quality assurance in place and do you have metrics and scorecards for that accountability? Right. So you're not in the weeds checking every single thing, but you know that things are being done and created and you have that visibility and there is accountability towards performance. I think there's a lot of similarities between a small business owner that works on the outside, small business entity, and in many cases, an organizational leader who's inside of a company, but still facing a lot of the same things. So when you start thinking about like, so maybe if the individual's not going to leave, but you're like, I'd like to promote them into a different role or maybe have them focus on some other part, but I can't because they're the only ones who can do what they're they're doing today. Well, that's that's your challenge as a leader is to offer that training, put those systems in place that allow them to be able to move on or put somebody else to be able to pick up you know, where they left off and promote people into those roles. Yeah. Um, I have a colleague who I'm not going to do it justice, right? But he always says, um, you need to have that individual that wants to get promoted basically fire themselves right like, like they need to be able to like fire the role um itself and help to make that role as as sustainable as possible to train somebody else so that they can move up right and and that's definitely um a huge tribute to making sure that they have those systems and processes in place and what are some examples so let's say that i'm a thoughtful leader i want to automate i want to introduce some automation and I'm heeding your advice, Julian. I'm saying I'm going to make sure that the processes are working smoothly and properly before I try to automate. But what are some good candidates I should be thinking about? Where, where does automation tend to work really well? Well, it works. It works really well um, in the client lifecycle, right? So when you're thinking about your marketing, right? Obviously, there's marketing automation there, and emails that get sent, and you know, nurturing clients and all of that good stuff, right? Um, other places where automation works really well is um, during the sales cycle. So I don't know how much of us enjoy doing follow-up, <laughs> right? Uh, most of us do not. Uh, and, and I think it's like 80% of sales happen in follow-up. So it's important. It's a, it's a critical you know, thing. Um, however, it is not usually our favorite thing. Um, so automation can definitely be um, a a massive tool. So, um, you know, before, you know, getting people on a phone call from your marketing, right, whatever that looks like, um, that can definitely be automated so that your your bookings are automated, you know, so things such as like, um, Cali, Once Hub, um, there's a bunch of them out there, um, you know, are really great for that. Um, then once a person is booked on your calendar, um, making sure that they um, that they stay there, right? And they show up. Um, so, cause a lot of the times, you know, we'll be like, ah, I have so many sales calls and then poof, people don't show up and then you're just frustrated and annoyed. Um, and there's an opportunity cost to that, right? Which is other sales call people who are actually gonna show up. Um, so getting people excited, right? And having sort of a pre-call um, funnel 
as it were to to get people to understand you know you your business um your services um your mission your values testimonials answering questions on the call which is actually going to make your call more exciting um more um you know people are going to be more hyped to get on the call with you and um you're going to shorten your sales cycle right because because if they've like done the reading um then they're going to have a lot less questions a lot less objections right um after your call um and then you know and by call right you know depending on your sales cycle because you can have a multi-sales cycle um you can have a demo if you're doing SaaS or you know whatnot but we'll just use call for uh the sake of being in a catch-all uh then afterwards right like if you're sending out proposals if you are sending out um you know kind of capabilities decks or anything of that nature um you know you can go from your crm um and have a tool right and like use automation um to send those out quicker right um or the creation of them um and utilizing those tools um so that the creation of them i mean we've had clients who took like three days to do a proposal especially like if they are in like um branding or user experience which they tend to be very much about the visuals um, and want to make sure that they get it really right and really beautiful uh, down to like three hours, right? Um, and so automation and templatization can really help there, right? And that's just kind of on the sales side. Now you're onboarding somebody um, and and getting people, you know, automatically like into emails and into an, a nurture sequence. Um, there's, there's massive amounts of automation that can be created there um, so that your proposals, you're getting paid, um, you know, your people are excited to join, your team is distributed, you have notifications, right? So there's all these bits that we do so manually uh, that automation can really help to increase capacity and profitability. I love it. And I think that um, it really helps a leader to think about the process. And if you're you're thinking, well, it's different every time, you're like, well, is that because you're making it different every time? Does it have to be? Because the more you can sort of at least find the the linchpin points along the, the the train there, the more you can potentially add automation that makes your life a lot easier and a lot uh, more more time friendly. I've been blown away by some of the automation tools and how easy they are to use. When I started using calendar links, when somebody wants time with me, it's so much faster. You don't have to do that silly back and forth of scheduling. Mm -hmm. Simple zaps that that uh, which is from a company called Zapier, which is mm -hmm. an Asana task and a project management tool can automatically create a Google Drive folder when you use a template, like all kinds of stuff. That's just like it makes it automatic and it just saves time. And you, you're just surprised at how much manual work you were doing that didn't really have a ton of value. If you just automate that out, then it frees up the time. Let's say you did like coaching and managing your team. You got more time to do those things if you think about the process a little bit more systematically and introduce some some automation. Absolutely. I mean, and then there's automations. So I love Zapier, um, tools like Zapier and Integromat, which help to connect different tools to each other. Um, but there's also automations within tools. Um, you know, and an easy one to think about is like, if you're using a project management tool, right? So like the Mondays, the Asanas, the ClickUps of the world, um, you know, you might have, right? Most of us do, uh, recurring daily, weekly, monthly tasks, right? And or quarterly, um, you know, yearly, like Texas. Um, and so um, you can set up automations that are native to that particular application to run those things 
so that you're not copy pasting every day, week, month um, to set you or your team up, right? And so these are things that you can actually set and forget. And obviously, you know, you want to go back to it and make sure that things are making sense and, and optimizing along the way. Um, but it's going to save so much time, right? And, and you know, and instead of having someone who's super junior um, do those manual tasks, you get someone who's super junior and train them up to do other things. Um, and that's really cool. I like that. I want a quick example. I use uh, Michael Hyatt's full focus kind of organizational system. And mm -hmm. part of that is pick your daily big three. What are the three things that you want to do today? Mm -hmm. Use a tool like Asana. What I do is I have it create automatically for my daily tasks saying, what are your daily big three? And that way you're like, oh, that's right. I need to do that. Get you nice and organized. And then you're right there inside your project management tool. So not only does it save you time because you don't have to do it, the automation system did it, but it keeps you on track. You knew you wanted to do this. Why not just pre-schedule it? Pre-scheduling is, is your friend. Yeah, absolutely. And when the thing starts popping up at you and you're not doing it, right? You're like, ah, if like, you know, something is a calendar surfing, if you're not doing something, something stuck, then, you know, then, then you have a really great inquiry to be like, okay, should I be doing this? Do I need to delegate this? Why is this not getting done? Right. Um, and, and you wouldn't do that unless you had that automation and that thing in your face, right. As an owner, sometimes. I love that. I love that. What you just said, it's a, it's a prompt. It's not saying that you're a bad person. You didn't do it. It popped <laughs> not up. shaming you for not doing your big thing. <laughs> not, not shaming you, but hey, it's a trigger. It says, hey, look, is this still important? Does this even need to be done? If it yeah. does need to be done, do you have to do it? Has something changed in your world? You haven't been doing it. Maybe somebody else could pick this up for you. I love that. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Well, I tell you, this is, um, this is the part of the show, Juliana, where I wrote a, a special game for you. Yes, I love games. Let's I do know, it. right? So <laughs> this one I call Who Said It? Who Said It? When I was thinking about you coming on the show and I thought about one of my favorite books of all time, uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, Stephen Covey. Mm -hmm. So Who Said It? I have Stephen Covey and I also have Stephen Colbert from the late show with Stephen Colbert. Right. Um, during the pandemic, he has like his questions of, um, what are his questions? Um, of like being a human or getting to know you or whatever, right? So yes. <laughs> so, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a quote and I'm gonna ask you who said it. Was it Stephen Covey or Stephen Colbert? Uh, one or the other. Here's the first quote. Ready? Most of us spend too much time on what is urgent and not enough time on what is important. Was that Covey or Colbert? Covey. It was definitely Covey. Ding ding. ding. <laughs> I'll do the new angel. Ding ding. Uh, <laughs> here's the next one. There's an odd saying about those who forget history. I don't remember what it is, but it's good. Colbert. <laughs> Definitely Colbert. <laughs> How about this one? I am not a product of my circumstances. I'm a product of my decisions. Covey. Covey. <laughs> so you're so good at this. How about this one? Uh, you have to decide what your highest priorities are and have the courage, pleasantly smiling unapologetically to say no to other things. Covey. It was Covey. <laughs> All right, here's one. When my car runs out of gas, I buy a new one. I don't want to ride around in a quitter. Colbert. <laughs> okay, we'll, we got a couple more. How about this one? Habit is the intersection of knowledge, what to do, skill, how to do, and desire, want to do. Covey. Although it also sounds like, um, is it JF Bog? Um, I'm like. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, it does. It sounds yeah. like habits was, uh, that's yes. classic uh, BJ Fogg and, uh, yeah. and uh, James Clear, who I also love. Mm -hmm. All about habits. I love that. Yeah. All right, last one. Here you go. I don't accept the status quo. I do accept Visa, MasterCard, or American Express. It definitely sounds like Colbert. Definitely Colbert. 
<laughs> there you go. Stephen Covey, Stephen Colbert, both, I think, insightful geniuses in their own right. And uh, and there you go. I think I was at 100% on that, huh? You totally did. You crushed that. You <laughs> I was right? like, <laughs> not competitive at all. Um, I know. Well, so Juliana, I'll get you out of here on this one. Where can my listeners go to learn more about you and the work that you do? Um, yeah, absolutely. So check us out um, on the website, scaletime.co, um, CEO. Uh, check us out um, on LinkedIn. Um, I constantly post there. Um, and also Instagram at Juliana Marula. And um, yeah, you know, we, we pop up all over the place. Uh, but those are kind of the three um, best places to kind of learn from us um, on an educational standpoint. Beautiful. Thank you so much. I will include those uh, links in the show notes and in the episode description so that you can go ahead and uh, not have to leave your podcast app to click over and find Juliana. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me. Here are my time sensitive top three takeaways from today's episode. One, speed things up. Leaders need to have a bias for action and make decisions without always having the luxury of time, information, and certainty. Two, learn while doing. You may be tempted to try and learn how to do a thing well before you have to do it, but the best and deepest learning happens during the action, not ahead of it. 3. Make success automatic. Create systems that automate the tactical aspects of your day-to-day -day work that otherwise absorb your precious time and energy. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider hitting the subscribe button in your favorite podcast app. Thanks for making this investment in your leadership ability, and thanks for sharing this podcast with another aspiring leader who needs to hear it. All right, leaders, until next time, don't just manage the business when you can lead the people. So it's like kissing, right? Like you can talk about kissing all you want, right? Um, but, you know, until you're standing in front of the person and you're doing it live, right?